When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, joining us now on Restore the Floor, a former intern here, before I got here, uh, beat writer for the Detroit News, covering the Detroit Pistons after the glory years, so we can maybe can blame him because <laughs> the team started going down. Uh, well, it was actually before Vitty started covering the team, but he's now a big star nationally with Yahoo Sports and NBA TV, Detroiter, the one, the only, Vinny Goodwill. Come on, Vinny, what's happening? <laughs> What's going on, y'all? How are you? I am good. I am uh, very good. I'm wondering about the pulse of the city. Is uh, Are the Lions the only thing keeping sports fans from being on suicide watch? Oh, in Michigan. Are, no, are those the only it's, it's, it's just the Lions. Right, yeah. Just the Lions. Yeah, well, for Sparties like uh, Evan, when it comes to football, yes, uh, the Michigan thing didn't exist. But, yes, <laughs> I know you're a big Michigan fan, so you have to be pretty damn happy. Absolutely. I mean, if you're not a Michigan fan, you have an unnatural allegiance to losers. <laughs> All right. By the way, just real quick, because this is kind of ties in with the NBA. Does Jawan Howard have a chance to actually be a head coach in the NBA again? Because he had one before, uh, and I don't think he has one now. I don't think people care. But I think it's like two different entities. And if you have a good reputation. Yeah and great connections like the college thing it doesn't you know make you a more attractive candidate but it doesn't put you have give you any demerits i don't think i mean this thing hasn't worked and i'm surprised that it hasn't worked me too i mean i thought he'd be able to recruit better i thought there was a lot of things but anyway a lot of it is actually uh self-induced all right let's talk about the pistons and it is uglier than any of us thought it would be. I thought if they could double their win total from last year, it would be a great accomplishment, get the 34. Uh, they're struggling right now, as you know, to even uh, get 10, which would beat my uh, youth team, the Philadelphia 9-73ers, and 73ers, who, who won nine games when I was a, a kid. Can you ima- Did you ever imagine it would be this bad? No. No. But when you look at the roster – like I put it like this, I will I will just say this: for this season to have gone as disastrous as it has, it doesn't mean one thing has gone wrong. It doesn't mean there's been one worst case scenario. It means every worst case scenario has come to bear, from the personnel to some of the moves to the draft picks from previous years coming you know coming to pass, even to the coaching. Like I don't think anyone can look this year reasonably and say. I've exceeded expectations. Maybe Kay Cunningham has because we didn't know what he was going to look like coming off that injury. But, man, no, I expected this team maybe to be at 28 or 29 wins, maybe to be somewhere in reasonable contention in March of, hey, this team is around the play-in, and maybe they'll play some meaningful games. And I don't think they played a meaningful game since late October. 
Is there any way they dig themselves out of this hole this season? Like, just to be, when we watch the games, I mean, Vinny, we watch these games, and they're not even close. I mean, they're getting blown out by the Spurs or the Wizards or the Jazz or, you know, some of the worst teams in the NBA, and they're coming in here and looking like all-stars. Is there any way that they can dig themselves out this year? Dig themselves out with the roster that they have? I don't know if that's possible. Because I look at the roster, Evan, and I think just in today's NBA, there are two critical things that a even a bad NBA team has. And those two things are rim protection and someone who can put pressure on the rim offensively. They have neither. And that's really hard to build. Even if you're tanking, you wind up finding <laughs> a big man who can block some shots. Even if you're tanking, you find a guy – that can go in, you know what I mean? Even you had the Amadou Diallo yep. or the Josh Jackson. Like, you had guys like that over the past couple of years. Not that they were world beaters, but you had slashers. And you don't have that on this roster. And so, in my opinion, guys, because their defense is so bad, you go up on a team like by 20, like you did against Sacramento, who's a really good offensive team anyway. If you go up on a team, there's different points throughout the course of a game where a team will say, you know what? We don't have it tonight. We're not going to come back against them. Let's live to fight another day. It's a long season. Because this defense is so bad, you never feel like you're out of a game. You never feel like there's a deficit that you can't come back from, which means every game that even with the games that the Pistons are competitive in, like Utah, you're not going to be able to run away and hide. And I think that's an indictment of everything that this team is. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, if this roster can't do it, there's a lot of talk that the Pistons will be active in the trade market. And and I sit here and I say, I don't know how that helps you because you probably have to get rid of one of your better pieces to get something. Do, do you see that being able to help this team? I mean, personnel-wise, yeah. I mean, look, if you're assigning value to some players on the roster, right? Yep. Like maybe Alec Burks has some value. We know Bogdanovich has value. Jaden Ivey probably has value around the league because he's so young. Same with Jalen Dorn, right? The only player on this team who should not be in any real conversations is Kay Cunningham. And then you go down the rest of the roster and you're like, okay, why would you be of value around the league if you can't make this team better because, this, because of where this team is? If you can't have a reasonable impact on winning, where are, where are you going to be of value around the league where something's going to come back to the Pistons that can help them win? That's sort of like this, the downside of all of that. But I do think a guy like Ivy has value. I do think a guy like Jalen Duran has value. The question is, are you ready to give up on some of those young pieces on valuable contracts because they're on rookie deals and they, and they aren't going to get paid for a while or get big money for a while and ready to do that? But my opinion is, you can't turn down any reasonable offer. And you almost are at the point where you have to change course on whatever your vision is. I don't know exactly what the vision was, but you need a new one. Yeah, and look, besides the answer, sell the team that people want. If you're the owner of this team, 
What do you do? Do you get rid of Troy, who you just extended? Do you get rid of Monty, who you just gave an amazing contract to? What do you do if you own this team? I mean, it ain't my money, right? Yeah. So it's a lot easy for all of us to play Monopoly, right? Yeah. And say, you know, go to go to a boardwalk and park place when you really got Baltic Avenue money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a little different here. But if you if you come to the conclusion that Troy Weaver, and it's not all on Troy, no. mind you, right? It's a lot of cooks in this kitchen, and it's not just a Tom Gore thing. It's been cooks in the kitchen for this franchise for a very, yes. very, very long time. But all that being said, someone has to step forward and own this and say, you know what? This is I put my name to this. This is my draft pick. This is my trade. This is this is me, and I'm going to be held accountable for it. If especially if I don't have a plan to get out of it, that sounds reasonable. And a reasonable plan isn't just, hey, we're going to get in the draft because this draft ain't that good. And you can't go off and say, oh, it's going to be another two- to three-year process when we're in year, what, three, four of all of this to begin with. Yeah. The only thing that you have working in your favor is that your books aren't, aren't bad. And this, <laughs> this franchise has been in spots where the books have been bad and the draft picks have been bad. Okay, kudos. You've now crossed the Mendoza line of doing what you were supposed to do which is clean up the books when you got here. Unless you are saying these are the players we're going to trade into to our cap space because we're not going to go out and overpay for free agents or whatever, and these are the players who are internally going to improve in a way that they haven't shown so far, I don't know how you can keep going with the same direction that you've been going. When our, when um, when Tom Gore spoke, I, I believe you were – were you part of it as well? Yes, yes. I, I thought it was very interesting, and I, I like the guy a lot, that he never mentioned Arn Tellum. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Troy, mentioned Monty, and you mentioned what we've been saying for a while, too, too many chefs in the kitchen. Where the Lions have changed, because they were the ultimate too many chefs in the oh, kitchen, yeah. have gone to this one basic foundation of unity from the front office down to the coaching staff to the players it doesn't happen with the Pistons. I mean, how much involved in actual playing stuff is is Arn involved? And does he and Troy disagree? I've heard all sorts of stories. Troy didn't obviously want, you know, Monty Williams. He wanted Kevin Ollie. Did he really, Troy, ever really want Kate Cunningham? I mean, it goes on and on. What's the answer to this? You guys have seen the movie The Usual Suspects, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze straightening the leg out at the end. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. You don't know. You really don't know. You you hear all these things, I almost say conjecture and rumor. A lot of these things right. are more truth than rumor. But here's the thing. I don't have a problem with diversity of opinion because no franchise is going to have every single person of influence being in lockstep. Correct. I don't agree with groupthink. But there has to be accountability and ownership in those. And my thing is also, guys, having a diversity of opinion cannot be influenced by other factors other than winning. What's best for the franchise should be first and foremost. And sometimes I feel like agendas or relationships have gotten in the way of what's best for this Detroit Pistons franchise. And Tom Gores, a lot of people still do in the building believe in him. Monty Williams, I know, believes in him. Now, granted, if I was getting paid $100 million, <laughs> I'd believe in, him. I believe in the guy too. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. But, but what you want in general is an owner to give you the resources, 
to empower the people that he puts in place and to sometimes get out of the way. And to a large degree, that happens. When a, a team is successful and the owner is invisible, people say the owner's doing his job, he's not making right. himself the show, he's blah, just, blah, blah. He's just hired the wrong people to run his, his business, basically, is what it yeah. is. Yes, but it also to to where you have to give Tom some accountability, it's been 13 years yeah, where you have not won a playoff game under your stewardship, and there hasn't been an upward trajectory, a consistent one, since you've been here. So if that's the case and you are the common denominator, there has to be some internal self-reflection and say, what am, what is wrong with my processes that I cannot make this venture as successful as my other ventures? So I don't think it's, oh, Tom Gores is the problem, sell the team, but I also don't think it is, Tom Gores can say, oh, I have nothing to do with this either. No. What is the perception of this team around the league? I feel like you have a pretty good sense. Like, are teams coming in here and they're like, this is an easy win for us? Or do they still respect? Like, I have no idea if I was an NBA player and a good team coming in to see, I mean, the Washington Generals essentially right now. Like, What is the perception of them around the league? I know people still have a lot of faith in Cade, and you always see players go and dap him up instantly after the game if it's the best player on the team. How do they see this team when they come into Detroit or they come into their building and play them? There was a point, Evan, it wasn't but so long ago that you knew if you were coming into Detroit or Auburn Hills or wherever that you were going to be in for a dog fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and there were different points during – maybe the Stan Van Gundy era or the Dwayne Casey era where you knew, okay, if we're going to come into this building and get a win, we're going to have to actually play our best. I don't think that that's the motivation. I think the motivation for teams is we can't come and lose to these guys. And that's what you don't want. You don't want to be the team that everybody gears up for, like what happened in maybe the last 10 games of the losing streak where you're like, hey, y'all, we can't be the team to break the streak to these guys. Like, if they're going to get a win, they're not going to get a win off of us. So you see teams playing up almost like it's a playoff series, and you almost have to be at a point where you have to remake your image around the league. There's a lot of teams, a lot of franchises that, you know, you sit around and you call and you talk to them, and they're like, man, what's going on over there? I'm not hearing great things, and what are they doing? And you never want that to be the perception of you around the league because you also don't want to be the team in a trade talk that says, you know what, I'm going to give you something of value that the rest of the league has determined has no value. Uh, Dwayne Casey, when uh, they made the switch, said, you know, I think this team needs a new voice. That new voice thus far hasn't worked. What is the disconnect between the players and, and Monty Williams? That's a great question. I'm not sure how much of it is, you know, a disconnect because Monty is a hard driver. Like when you look at Monty and some of the successful teams, you know, that he's had, he's had a conduit in the locker room. He had a Chris Paul in Phoenix, and he had, you know, Chris Paul in New Orleans, someone who could also relay the voice and be the bad guy to Monty's good guy or be the good guy to Monty's bad guy, be that, you know, sort of contrast. I don't know who that player in this locker room is. I don't know what player is but so accomplished that they can look at the other players in the locker room. Maybe it's Bogdanovich, but... Even he hasn't come back and really helped in such a way. He's been productive, but to say he's helped, that hasn't happened. So I think it's not just the coach. It's a coaching style. It's a coaching philosophy. And you look at the coach and where he's been and how successful he's been and what are the common denominators in that. And those factors, guys, they're not here. 
Final thing on the Pistons, and we'll get into the NBA. The roster you mentioned. I mean, Troy, I mean, he was honest when we would always ask him, don't you have too many bigs, too many little guards? I mean, whatever. You, you you see a roster that have good players. They just don't mix. And you look back, hindsight always twenty twenty. I mean, why are you extending Isaiah Stewart but not Sadiq Bey where you, where you need shooting? You know, he's got he pays for Bagley. Bagley, who actually was playing pretty good this season, he doesn't play because Wiseman, for some reason, they want to give an opportunity to. It's just such a mishmash. And when does Troy, you know, he is the one who should get the blame, unfortunately, and I I like the guy a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it's going to come down to Troy. And he has a big month ahead of him. I'll be perfectly honest. Between now and the trade deadline, it will be critical for Troy Weaver and the future of him with this franchise, in my opinion, I just I just believe that moves have to be made that shows, okay, we are not tied to our present fortunes. And then maybe that's, you know what, guys, we're trying to find a home for James Wiseman. Let's showcase him a little bit. Marvin Bagley, we know that you can play. We know that you can at the very least score. You're not the most defensively inclined. Maybe you can chill for a minute while we try to figure out something with Wiseman. I don't know what you do about Killian Hayes. I don't know what you do about Isaiah Livers. But I can't – but here's the thing. In Isaiah Livers days, should play for the Cruz, by the way. Just kidding. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. He hasn't He he hasn't shown the faith. Like, you can only roll the dice on so many guys, but so many times in that, hey, if, you know, if this guy returns to the five-star recruit that he was, you guys know, like I know, especially probably more so in football than basketball, that those five-star recruits aren't worth the paper that they are printed on because it's got a lot more to do with who you know than how you're actually playing. And Troy's background in scouting has severely, I believe, hindered him because we become a people of first impressions. You remember when you first saw a guy and you're thinking, man, Mm -hmm. he's going to be a good pro. He's going to be a great pro. He's got the tools. Sometimes you're not smarter than the rest of the league. Sometimes the league knows something about a guy that you don't know. And we always make these comparisons to the 04 Pistons team. And I hate that people do that because they were branded as, you know, these guys were cast-offs and, you know, nobody believed in them. But Rasheed Wallace was an all-star. Rip Hamilton averaged 20 points a game for the Wizards. Chauncey Billis had begun to find his footing in Minnesota before he became a free agent. The only guy who people really, you could say, took a chance on was Ben Wallace. Yeah. He was throwing in the Grand Hill trade. But that's one guy – and you got and you struck gold. Everybody else had a real professional pedigree. These other guys here don't have a professional pedigree that you can say, you know what, it didn't work there, but the circumstances weren't great, but this player was productive as a professional. But these guys don't have that on their resume. Now let's go across the NBA because I got a big question. Um, there, there was a banner raised in L.A. You know, midseason champion, uh, the number twenty-three that I think is number two in this world. But is LeBron's championship days done? The Lakers are like nineteen and twenty right now. They're, they're. You look at them and you see the players, like you said. Like I remember the past, but are the Lakers cooked? I remember the days when my hairline was a two inches closer to my forehead. I remember mine was eight inches closer. <laughs> hey, just just because it was don't mean it is. You know what I mean? I, I still have hair. It's just not what it used to be. It's doing a Michael Jordan fadeaway. You know what I mean? I think LeBron's championship days, and I've, here's the thing, 
I said this before about LeBron. I said this in Cleveland. His championship days are over. I said this when he went to L.A. Oh, he's not going to win a championship there. And then he pulled 2020 out of his ass. Mm-hmm. So I'm very careful to erase him from that because he always has leverage. He can always leave and go somewhere else and jump on another franchise's bandwagon. And not bandwagon, but jump on another franchise and use up all of their assets, all their resources, and get guys come, to come and play with them. But so, And I think he's good enough as a player that he can still be maybe the second-best player on the championship team. I don't think he's the driver anymore, but I think he's, on, he's, he's in the bus somewhere. But I think the Lakers, for where they are right now, I think it's really unfair to expect LeBron at 55 years old <laughs> to play all the games that he's playing, for Anthony Davis to play all the games he's playing, and to put the blame on all these other guys when the NBA is so much more talented than it used to be, mm-hmm. you can't just have two guys and a bunch of meh around them. You got to have some. You look at Minnesota. You look at Oklahoma City. You look at Denver. They have three to four guys who can win you games in three to four different ways, and the Lakers don't have that. Uh, something we actually discussed with Evan, we haven't put it on the podcast yet. And just looking around the league, you got Joker and Luka and Giannis and SGA and Bede. Who would win a series between the world versus the United States? Because I'd almost take the world. We might be deeper, but their top players are better than ours. Well, I think it's it's one of those weird things, right? Like if you put the U.S. against any one country, the U.S. would win. Right. If you put the U.S. against every other country, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little little different, so it's— it, it feels like, right. oh, the U.S. has fallen behind. But you're you're judging them against 90% of the rest of the world. I think that's an unfair comparison. But, yeah, when you look at the last, the last what, five MVPs? Yeah. I think the last American MVP was James Harden in 2018. Oof. Oof. Since wow. then, it's been Giannis two times, Nikola Jokic two times, and then uh, Joel Embiid, the la- you know, last year. So that says a lot. And this year it could be Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's Canadian. Do we count? Do we count Canada? Yeah, as yeah. part of us? No, no, no. no, no that's North, North America. That's North America. No, right. we, we, we don't count that. I'm taking what I can get right yeah. now. Yes, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I was saying. Can, can you skew the rules a little bit? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, there's no body of water really separating us and them. So maybe they could be a part of a you know you know North America, so to speak. But no. I think I don't think that. Hey, I heard people talk about that being the All Star game. Yeah. I wouldn't like I wouldn't like that too much because the one thing you don't want to do in America is make it seem like American players are not as good as you want them to be. Because one thing fans don't like doing is watching a bunch of dudes whose names they cannot pronounce. <laughs> I present to you the National Hockey League. That's yeah, why that, I don't that, watch. That's that, that, that's true. I, I want to ask you about the East, and I, I know uh, Milwaukee kicked Boston's ass the other night. Uh, but is it Milwaukee, Boston? Is there anybody else? I mean, the Knicks are really interesting. I don't think Philly has enough right now. But is it just Milwaukee or Boston, or does the the Knicks or Philly have a shot? No, Philly doesn't have a shot. I hate to say that. I know. That's okay. I don't think so either. Because <laughs> Embiid's not the guy in the playoffs. He somehow always falls short. No, we, we you know what? We call those guys. We call those guys chokers. It's okay <laughs> to say that word out loud. Yeah. Okay? He always we falls said, on the for, ground, too. Yeah, we call it. We, we said it for Carl Malone for all those years. Right. We said it for Scottie Pippen for a number of years mm-hmm. despite him winning six championships. He's still a choker, right? Yeah. But I think the team that we are always forgetting about is a team that brings me joy every June. You want to know why? 
Because I find myself in Miami. I've, That's why. Yeah. Because I'm in June in Miami. What is beautiful down there? And by the and way, Spo with the with the new contract. Oh, it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Wait until after the divorce came through. He's brilliant. <laughs> oh, you guys are you guys are insufferable. I can't believe you guys. <laughs> I saw that Vinny, and I was like, "Wow, the Heat get it, don't they?" <laughs> It, it, what do they call that boy math now? Is that what is that what the internet <laughs> yeah. says? Is that boy math? Yeah. But I think I think Miami A they have the trade chip in Kyle Lowry. B Jimmy Butler is one of the most competitive a holes you will ever come across, and I don't write him off. And you have the best coach in the NBA. With all due respect to Steve Kerr and Michael Malone and Tyron Lue, it's Eric Spoelstra and everybody else, and you give him a seven game series. And chances are he's going to put his team in the best possible position. So while I would tend to say Boston has the best collection of players and the highest ceiling, they also have a floor that Miami can make them play to. Miami can make them, can drag them to the basement. So if you're asking me where will I be in June, I would say Boston or Miami, unless Milwaukee makes a drastic change in their personnel. All right, Stoney, i got to ask this question. If there's one thing Vinny and I always had in common – was sneakers. Vinny, who has the best signature sneaker in the NBA right now? Is it John ja Morant? Can we, I mean, does it have, like, a gun logo on the side of it? No, it, it, <laughs> no, it has a sling for his shoulder is what it has. There we go. Was that a shooting shoulder? I'm yeah. not sure. um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, shooting basketball. Yes, there it is. There yeah, that's there his gun. Yeah. There we go. I would say probably so. Up until last year, I don't know why they ended his signature line, but I love Paul George's signature shoe. Okay. And I actually, despite Kyrie Irving being Kyrie Irving. They were the best. And Ja, and ja took his place. Yeah, so I, I think you basically took the Kyrie model and took away the kookiness and you just added a knucklehead to it. And then you have Ja Morant. So, yeah, I think Ja probably has the best sig out. <laughs> they did replace one knucklehead with another, didn't they? <laughs> Jeez, Different man. levels of knucklehead. Oh, yeah. Final question. My uh, my hometown team finished when I was a kid, when I was 13 years old, 9 and 73. 1926. No, 1973. Oh, okay. <laughs> 9 and 73 years with Freddie Carter and the late great Freddie Boyd. You look at that team. And any, anyway, Kevin Lockery became the player coach. Here's the question. Do the Pistons get to 10 at least? I, don't, I, I want them to at least be not have that record. Let it stay you in Philly. Be. You don't want a team to live in infamy, right? Once you have that stink, you never get rid of right. it. Right. Okay? That's why the Pistons need to win 10. But, 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 I remember, was it the 2003 Tigers that needed, like, some miracles? Yes, boys, they got the it. First team in the American League, they got it. Yeah. But but your Detroit football Lions went 0-16 yeah, after, I you know. know, a very promising preseason. Right. Michigan Wolverines I, went 2-4 in 2020. <laughs> wow, that is that is that is a inspector gadget like stretch. <laughs> Very proud of you. Um, I would say upcoming games against the Washington Wizards will tell the story of whether you are going to you know reach ten. I've always of the belief, guys, and I was wrong. I was of the belief that when they when they when the streak was broken that they were going to win, run off like three out of four, four out of five, like just playing loose and free, and clearly that didn't happen because this losing streak would still be going on if the, the Toronto Raptors didn't make that OG and Obi trade that night. And then Cade got hurt, let's be honest. That hurts, too. Yeah, because they games. won so oh, many games no, with him out there. No, so but, you know, I know. 
Stony, Stony, I get it. I understand the optimism. Okay, <laughs> look, know. every time I see Joe Dumars in like you know one of these league settings, he just looks at me and is like, he just gives me this look like, can you believe what's going on over there? Mm. That it's 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 like it's literally Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas rolling over in their graves. Not literally, but right. you get it. You, like this is what has happened to the franchise. Where the worst thing that ever happened was Bird stole the ball. You know what I mean? Like this is this is like erasing all of that, and it is unfathomable that it is happening in a basketball town where fans are actually showing up. That's the craziest part. I know. Well, the, the worst thing that happened in this franchise is when uh, the guy held up the sign and said the Detroit Pistons have the fifth pick. Because once we didn't get Victor, it was over. <laughs> well, he showed you what you're yes, missing sir. in 21 minutes. I know. I know. Exactly. Hey, you, well, when you missed out on Chet two years ago, oh, yeah. that actually really yeah. hurt, too. And he's living up to all the hype, isn't he? Oh, he's spectacular. Oh, I, I love that man. It's, a, it's he's amazing. He's like a combination of Kevin Garnett and Kevin Durant. And I didn't think there could be such like an alien built that way. But he's that level of alien. Like, Victor is still Victor. But Chet is all-time real. Troy's old team is going to win it, win some championships. I'll tell you <laughs> that. All right, Vinny, keep up the good work. We really appreciate it. And we'll uh, see you at the LCA when, uh, I don't know, maybe they'll win a game. I don't know. Uh, can you make that anytime soon? Yeah, <laughs> it, would, it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. Appreciate you guys. See you later. That's uh, Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo and NBA TV on Restore the Floor.